special music. It's wonderful. I guess you can't see me. Someone has said, hide me behind the cross, and I guess I, I'm hiding. And so, thank you, Pastor, for having me tonight. Uh, it's really a wonderful privilege. I have heard your pastor preach at national meetings. In fact, last September, he preached there in uh, Cleveland. He preached in our church at our national meeting, and, and what a blessing for him to minister to our hearts that way. I am really grateful for this privilege, and he's very kind, and I love your, your room. It's warm, at least, you know, and uh, people warm me there in, the, in San Diego. It will be cold in New York, so you better uh, bring some, some uh, thermal, whatever it is. So I, we brought, but that room is sufficient, so I'm really grateful. Well, stand with me this evening, uh, and uh, while we're standing, let me introduce my wife. Her name is Myrna, and I've uh, been married for, by the grace of God for 36 years, going on 37, and, and I'm so thankful for my wife uh, coming with me. I, I turn our Bibles to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter number 12, verses 1 to 3, and uh, it's not a familiar verse for a missions conference, but I believe this is what the Lord led me to I'll preach to you about tonight. Hebrews chapter 12, and I just read and please follow. The Bible said, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which that so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Shall we pray? Father, thank you again for already you have spoken to my heart, to the congregational singing and Lord, getting to know Pastor Montoro and Open Door Bible Baptist Church, what a, a joy in my heart to see what you're doing in this place through this wonderful church. And I ask that you would just help me to be a blessing uh, this evening. Thank you for your people that are here tonight. I pray that this week indeed, as Pastor Montoro has already challenged, may we know what your will for each one of, of this your people, what to do for world missions this year. Again, thank you for the privilege of allowing me to be here and part of their mission conference. In Jesus' name, you ask these things. Amen. Thank you very much. You may be seated. Every time I'm given the opportunity to speak in a, in a church, especially here in the United States, I always thank them for a couple of things. First of all, I thank uh, the, the churches for sending their men uh, who have given and shed their blood there in the Philippines fighting side by side to give us freedom during the World War II. And uh, we have some memorials there with names of so many who gave their life to our country that we might gain freedom. But I want to thank America for that. And I also want to thank the United States of America for sending missionaries. Uh, the, the, the church uh, that I'm a pastor of was started by a missionary who spent 25 years in the Philippines in Mandaluyong. Uh, Fred Nall is his name. And... Uh, he told us that uh, his skin is white, but his heart is brown. And he stayed there until, the, the, until he had a stroke, and, and the doctor advised him to go back to the States because he would die because of it's, it's the tropical weather there. 
And yet when he came back to San Diego, that they have a home there when they are on furlough, uh, he found out that uh, there are so many Filipinos in that place. And there's almost at that time in 1980, uh, about 75,000. I think there's over 100,000 Filipinos there now. And someone has said, if all the Filipinos go back home, the Philippines will sink because they're all over the world now. But I think, uh, again, thank God for missionaries who have brought the gospel to our country. And as a result of that, we were freed from sin and in slavery. Uh, we were religious, but we're lost. But then thank God that we heard the good news that it's not by works of righteousness what we have done, but according to his mercy only he saved us when he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross. Even though I was not uh, reached by a missionary, I was saved because of a, uh, the, the, the reason why I was able to come to America in 1975 is because of the Navy. Uh, I was enlisted there in the Philippines. So please don't ask me why uh, U.S. Navy recruit Filipinos. I don't know the answer about that, but I think it's just the friendship that we have uh, fighting side by side during the war. Of course, there's bases there at that time, and now they don't have the bases. They don't recruit any Filipinos there now, but that's the way that I was able to come to uh, this country. I have a shipmate while serving on board USS Hammond, uh, at, uh, you know, who shared to me the gospel. And for the very first time, I understood it's not because I'm a good guy, not because I, you know, I was religious. No, it's because of what Jesus did for me on the cross. I know Jesus in the head, but then, you know, that day when I asked Jesus to save me, I know him in my heart, and I didn't depend on my religion, but on his shed blood on the cross uh, to pay for my sins. And I'm so thankful for that. Well, anyway, my wife was a fruit of a missionary. Uh, her and her family were saved under the missionary uh, Howard Quinlan, who labored there for many years as well in the Philippines. And we did support him now. And even though he retired, we're still continuing to support him and his wife. And uh, I'm grateful, again, that uh, this church, our mission-minded church, I, I look at all the flags and uh, I heard someone looking for their country's flag. The pastor told me that there's many countries representing here in this room. And I look at our flag, too, and I saw the Philippines over there. Now, I'm an American citizen now, but you can't remove the love somehow about your country because that's where I was raised and born. In fact, I lived twice here longer than I was in the Philippines. I was 21 when I left, but I'm 40. I mean, 40. I'm 63 now. I wish I'm 40 again, but uh, I'm 63 now, so I live a, couple, a double of uh, my time here. Well, anyway, again, I, I'm thankful uh, for the church like this who support missionary, missionaries to, again, let the world know that, that Jesus saves. Well, throughout the Bible, God uses illustrations or pictures to help us understand the nature of a Christian life. I love that song work. We are laborers. And I like that song. And anyway, in Second Timothy, Christian life is uh, illustrated as a warfare. We are supposed to be good soldiers, enduring hardness as we fight the good fight of faith. Paul writes, Timothy, therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that ward entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who had chosen him to be a soldier. Again, Christian life is not a playground, but it's a, it's a battlefield, and we are fighting a battle. I think I understand a little bit what your pastor is saying about building a community. We did went through that as well. I, you know, in the Philippines, you could build, and even though it's not finished, you could occupy literature. Even though those, those steel bars are still hanging up there, you could use it and still have service there. 
But here, you have certain time to finish all the project. If not, you get to redo it all over again. And, and uh, in fact, we experienced, Pastor, of them shutting us down, red-tagging our building just because we opened one door and they said it's not safe enough because that whole side of the building could collapse. And, oh, that, that is very hard to, to get ready to meet on a Wednesday night. And they said, no, it's red-tag. You cannot meet here. Oh, wow. That was very difficult. People are coming for service. We don't know what to do. But thank God that we have an old auditorium there of, uh, of our, the church that we're able to meet. And we kind of fill it up because, you know, we, we grew some. And I said, you see what God has done for us, how good God is for us. And so, anyway, that was a blessing as a result of that. Well, in First Corinthians, uh, Christian life is pictured as a, a boxing ma- match. Uh, I'm glad Mr. Pacquiao won again this fight. But anyway, uh, he said, the Bible said in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 26 and 27, I therefore so run, not as uncertainty, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring it unto subjection, lest by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. In other words, Paul said, I don't want to be disqualified uh, serving the Lord. And then in Ephesians the Apostle Paul pictures Christian life as a wrestling match. He said in chapter 6, in verse 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord, and in the power of His might, put you on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this word, a world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And here in our text tonight, Hebrews 12, uh, here, Christian life is a picture of athlete, athletes in a track and field uh, uh, encircled by great host of witnesses, much like the you know, modern Olympic that took place, I believe, this, this year. Uh, I even forgot what country it is. Uh, let me see. Where was it? Brazil. Brazil. Okay. So, anyway, uh, you know, they, this... this uh, uh, runners here received their baton and they run the race and experiencing trials and persecutions. And Paul, uh, I believe the writer of Hebrews, encouraging them uh, to finish their race. Now, Paul went through some trials himself. He was in prison for preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, in Second Timothy, he wrote uh, to them, for I am now ready to be offered, and time my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. And here he's challenging the believers, do the same thing as they have done. I have done and they have done. Again, in fact, he, he said in Hebrews 12, verse 1, in our uh, first verse, Wherefore, seeing also we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. And he, I believe, is talking about those heroes of faith. In Hebrews 11, like Abel and Enoch and Noah, and I was thinking about that. You know, they all are in the grandstands now watching and and seeing them run the race. And uh, I believe that that's the same true with us. I was just talking with your pastor about Pastor Thompson, who started Cleveland Baptist Church, and he's in those grandstands, I believe now, watching your, your pastor here, and there he was, this, the church was ascending uh, a church to, to start this church here in New York City, and I'm pretty sure he's rooting that uh, Pastor Montoro would finish the race. And uh, uh, my pastor, uh, who trained me, Pastor Fred Nall, the one that was a missionary for 25 years, started the church and then trained me. After 11 and a half years, he said, you know, I'm getting older. I need some, 
some Filipino guy to pastor this church, and, and he asked me to pray about it. And, and uh, at first I hesitated. I said, I don't know anything. Well, he said, if God can use an owl, he can use anybody, you know. And I thought, nah, I'm thankful for that encouragement because later on I figured out my last name is Obero. I'm zero in the beginning and zero at the end, so he can use a double zero as well. So uh, I'm so thankful for that. And he also told me, I'm glad you said you don't know anything because then I can teach you something. There are a lot of people who know a lot of things, and you can't teach them anything. That's what he said. And he started an institute, and there's where my wife and I is training. And I'm really grateful that by the grace of God, you know, I got out of the service uh, honorably. After 11 and a half years, I didn't get any retirement or nothing. But we saw God take care of our needs, and he provided it. And people gave and sacrificed. And, and so I'm, I'm thankful. In fact, uh, the missionary that started our church were supported by churches like yours. So he could start that church in San Diego. And he told me one thing, too, that I cannot forget. He said, make sure that when these missionaries retire, continue to support them. Because, you know, when I came back to the States and started a church, so many dropped my support because they thought I'm no longer a missionary because I'm back here in the States. But he said, I feel like an old horse that's been laboring in the field. Now that I'm old and cannot be used, they left me to die. He said, but I'm thankful that I restored churches who supported me, and that's why I was able, you know, he don't have, he opted out of Social Security and everything like that. He just depend on support. Of churches, and so uh, I pray that you would think about doing the same thing. Uh, continue to support those missionaries. I love that video that you showed. In fact, I wrote his name, and maybe you could send him something too from our church to help him start a church there in Quebec, Canada. My wife and I had uh, opportunity to visit Quebec when uh, Pastor Stevens uh, held a fellowship meeting there, and it's a beautiful city, and they do need the gospel. So anyway. Uh, my missionary is there in the grandstand. I think about Bob Hughes, who served in the Philippines for many years, and so many other missionaries that came to our country that's in, in heaven now. And, and they're there uh, on those grandstands and watching and cheering and encouraging. And, uh, you know, that we too, who are in this race, would be able to finish, just like the song said, we'll work until Jesus comes as well. But notice also in verse number 1, he said, Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which that so easily beset us. What are those weights that Paul, I believe, is talking about here? Well, I believe those are things that in itself, they are not bad or sinful, but they are indeed weights, you know, to hinder us from that race. You know, I, I was told uh, that uh, during those uh, time and era when runners, uh, you know, the, those people that uh, are Romans, they wear kind of robe-like uh, garment, but then they cannot use that when they are running a race. And so it, they must get rid of those and put on the, the right clothing for a race. You know, we don't wear robes today, I'm grateful. But you know, we must set aside certain things. They told me that when athletes are preparing for a competition, they train hard. And they do, do their best to prepare for four years, especially for the Olympics. And, but they especially needed discipline, their diet, and things like so. Uh, and we need the same thing as we are in this race to be able to finish a race. I think there are so many things that are good, but they're not the best that we could 
Let's lay aside so we could do what is better and best for our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I'm thinking about this. I mean, you could have watched uh, your favorite TV tonight, but you're here. You know, I'm so thankful for that. As some people, young people, like to play video games and they spend a lot of time in social media. And yeah, those are not bad, but, you know, we should, there are some things more better uh, to do uh, in, like, coming tonight and be an encouragement and um, be able to uh, be reminded about the responsibility that we have to reach the world for Jesus Christ. And, you know, bowling is something that I used to like. I, I have a lot of arthritis now, preacher, and I can hardly lift a 14-pound ball now. But, but anyway, those are good. Golfing are good. But you know what? There's something better. I'm pretty sure you have visitation just like what we do. We have other things uh, that uh, needed to be done. But, you know, those are better things, and we can lay aside all those other things, uh, even though they're not bad. Friends are wonderful things, but if those friends keep us from serving the Lord, then we have to get rid of some of them. And First Corinthians chapter 6, in verse 12, the Apostle Paul writes, All things are lawful to me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not brought under the power of any. You know, this expedient, think about expedition. And, you know, it's, it's a trip. It's going somewhere. And we are going somewhere. I like that song, this world is not my home. I am just passing through. And we don't know how long the Lord will take us home or how long uh, the Lord will come back. But there are some excess baggage that we need to get rid of and set aside, give up in order to be able to finish our course. And uh, maybe it's our ambition, our friend, our job, our hobby, our plans, our goals. You know, I was reading about Alexander the Great, the greatest uh, uh, conqueror. I think he conquered the world at the age of 30-something, and he had no longer world to conquer. So he died with uh, alcoholism, I was told. But, you know, he's noticing while they are advancing and trying to conquer Persia, it seems that uh, his troops are kind of you know, burdened with so many things because in their previous campaigns, they have got a lot of plunder. And so they've been carrying this with them and losing their speed uh, speed and effectiveness in combat. And so uh, Alexander gathered his men together and he said, you know, these spoils are hindering us. I want you to put them in all the pile and we will burn them so that we could conquer Persia. First, they were bitter against it. But you know what? They realized the wisdom of that. Because when they did get rid of that, that, those plunders, they did conquer Persia and won the battle. And they got more than what they have gotten rid of. And Paul said there are some weights that we must get rid of to serve the Lord. Put off, Paul writes in Ephesians, concerning the former conversation of the old man, which is corrupt according to deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that you put the new man after what God has created in righteousness and true holiness, Ephesians 4, 22 and 24. And then Paul also not only said there are some ways that we need to lay aside, but then sin, he said, which that so easily beset us. You know, if we are to run a good race, not only we must remove those hindrances, but we must also forsake our sin. We need to repent from sin. While weights will slow us down, sin will trip us down. I mean, and tripping while you're running the race is worse than just being slowed down, I believe. And if we are running that race, then we need to lay aside sin. 
that will trip us down. God said, let everyone that named the name of Christ depart from iniquity. The Bible said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. David wrote, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Is there something that would hinder us even tonight about making some commitments? I guess that's what you do in faith promise. Or some sin uh, that can hinder you uh, of allowing God to speak to your heart even this week as we look forward for making commitments for faith promise this year. Now, I remember reading a story about a very beautiful princess named Atlanta. She was so beautiful, but also she has so many talents. And one of the, her talents was she was a very swift runner. In fact, she could run, outrun even men. Now, the father, the king, wanted her to get married so somebody could take over the throne, a guy, a man. But you know what? She doesn't want really to get married yet. She's not thinking about that. But his father keep insisting to her that she find a man and get married. And she said, well, I will agree to marry that man, for, uh, uh, but for one condition. And what's that condition? Well, that man must outrun me in a race. Well, the, may, the king made a proclamation all over his kingdom. And many young men, you know, princes, beautiful. Oh, well, I think I could outrun her. But the, the, the princess said, here's one condition too. If they lose, they must forfeit their lives. They have to win or forfeit their life. Well, men brave and they thought, well, we could outrun her. And they prepared and then the day came. The sad thing is every one of them looked lost in the race, and every one of them had to forfeit their life. But here's a young man by the name of uh, Hypolinus, and he's a secret admirer of the princess, and he knew that he cannot outrun this princess. But she came up, he came up with a plan. He had the courage, finally, to go to the king and said, i like to raise the princess, and the, the date was set. And the Colosseum was full, wondering, this guy going to give his life again for the sake of this princess. Well, on the day of the, the race, unbeknowing to the princess, Hypolinus concealed in his clothing three small but beautiful and shiny golden apples. And when the race started, the princess, of course, easily took the lead because not only that he's a little heavier, but the prince is really fast. But Hypolinus, almost at the middle of the race, Hypolinus took one of those golden apples and began to roll it in front of the princess. I don't know about gold, but somehow most ladies are attracted with gold. And so the princess looked at that apple and she saw a shining one and she thought, my, that is a nice thing to have. So she stopped and 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 stooped down and picked that golden apple. And while she was doing that, Hippolynis passed her. Well, she tried to catch up with Hippolynis, but he has two more golden apples hidden in his clothing. So on the three-fourths way, uh, he took one more apple and, and rolled it down. Well, she thought, my, I have a good one, but this seems to be a nice, shinier one, so I must have it too. So she stooped down and picked it up, and boy, Hippolynus again passed her. Almost close to the end, she passed him. In desperation, Hippolynus took just one last more. 
apple and hoping that she wouldn't stoop down and pick it again. And indeed she did. By the time she realized what she has done, Hippolynus crossed the finish line. And so they were married and lived happily ever after. (laughs) Now what's their lesson behind that? Well, we have an enemy. As we're running the race, the devil is trying to get us. He's trying to do what he can. He has some golden apples that he rolls down in front of us to get our eyes off the Lord and prevent us from finishing our race. It could be popularity and ambition or lust of the eyes or pride of life or pleasure, something that will hinder us in finishing our race. In fact, the Apostle Peter said, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same affliction are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. In First John chapter 2, you know this verse in verse 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For the all that in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. I'm afraid, some even in this auditorium tonight are dealing with some besitting sin of pride and procrastination or envy or selfishness or bitter. I don't know, but I know me. No, indeed, these sins will hinder us from serving the Lord or giving to reach the world for Jesus Christ. We need to turn from that sin. And notice also, Paul said, not only there are people that are watching us, there are some, some things that will hinder us and then sin that beset us. But notice that there is a specific grace that is said to each one of us. You know, if you notice the design of a racetrack, especially if it's a 400 meter or some, uh, some other longer distance uh, race, you know, those, those men are in different sections of the track. And sometimes as they start, you don't, you're kind of confused who's really ahead until they come to a certain spot and then you realize who is really the one that is ahead. You know, one of the worst things I believe that we can do is to compare our progress with other people who seems to be doing better than us. Now, this isn't helpful because it ruins our motivation, distracts us, uh, keep us from focusing on the Lord, but also it's, it's unwise. Turn your Bibles, if you would please, to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 12. You know, I tell the church, one of the things that's a blessing in our church is our jolly saints. You know, I don't know if you have that ministry here. We call them jolly saints. We used to call them jolly 60s. But after 30 years, they're now turning 90. So we cannot call them jolly 90s. So we call them now jolly saints. And they are jolly. And in fact, I think there's three or four of them that turned 90 when we started, the church was started there in their 60s, and they've been there all this time. But one of the blessings is that even though they, they receive meager income, but they're the ones very faithful in giving. And the sad thing is some of them give more than, than some guy that I know, and his wife are earning more than them. 
And yet they are constantly very faithful week after week. Once in a while, I, I look at the offering envelope and I said, wow, I'm thankful for these jolly saints. They are very faithful. But if they compare some, some well, I, my, I cannot give as much. I said, you know what? Even though you cannot go out visitation now, but you can pray and you can give. And you still can be an influence to your grandchildren, you know. And so, Paul, Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 12, For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. You know, let's just stay in our lane. There's a set lane for us. And you know, not only that our course is set, in fact, they, they, you will get disqualified if I remember right. If you cross the lane from somebody else that's running, you could get disqualified. And so, anyway, uh, notice also that no one will run forever. There's a set uh, time in our race. And the length of time, we don't know. In fact, the Bible said, Whereas you know not what shall be tomorrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor, an apparent Appear it for a little time and then vanish it away. Life is short. This year could be my last opportunity. You know, I was telling pastor, I'm in the process now, but you know, pray for me uh, to turn over the work. There's a young man that was saving our church and went to Bible college, started another church, and I asked him to come back because, you know, my health is not uh, as what it is. You know, I had, by the grace of God, I was able to come here. I had four, uh, six bypass, in fact, six. Uh, four years ago, and I'm grateful that the Lord gave me opportunity to still survive. And my strength did not come back. I was telling your pastor, and, and uh, I, I prayed about that. And, and I, I felt like, you know, it's probably better for me to, you know, my, since my strength did not come back, I, I felt like uh, the younger guy probably could do better uh, in continuing to work. I'll, I'll try to do my best to continue to serve the Lord. Some, some of our members said, so, Pastor, now that you're uh, turning over the work, are you going to retire and get fat? I said, I'm already fat, you know. Uh, but I, I, I believe God can still use us. I believe, you know, in the Philippines now, the blessing is, I am so thankful that in the Philippines, the last I heard, that Filipino churches are now supporting Filipino uh, preachers to go to the mission field in Asia that most Americans cannot go. There's about 120 or so uh, families now that are supported by local churches there in the Philippines that are serving, I mean, all the way to Haiti and Africa and Pakistan and, and uh, Cambodia, many countries in Asia. And many of them cannot come here to even help uh, raise support. But you know, I told my wife, I believe that God can still use us to visit these missionaries. And even though they cannot come here to America, we could take some video and interview them and show the work. And maybe it's, it's not the support. Maybe it's their building program or a property or something that I could come back and even try to encourage churches. Hey, this missionary cannot come here, but look what the Lord is doing through him. And hopefully they could support and I could help. You know, there's many of them. I believe God can use us. Also in the Philippines, there's so many pastors that are in the provinces that don't have the privilege to have resources like Bible dictionary or commentary or, or something like that. Songbooks and even Bibles. 
I was asking and hoping that your pastor would come and visit the Philippines and see what the missionaries have invested there. Well, someone said, go to Romania too. So I guess all of you want him to visit the mission field. I hope he would go to the Philippines and see what American churches, because of their support, has accomplished by the grace of God. And you know, I said, I, I will not get to sit down and get fat. If God gave us the grace and the strength, then we would try to serve the Lord still. You know, go to the provinces and maybe raise some funds for them to get some of their resources that they need and so forth like that. But, you know, uh, I don't know if this is my last opportunity to preach. But if you're here tonight without Christ, maybe this is your last opportunity to hear that you needed to be saved. Or you don't know. Maybe this last year you could give to missions. You don't know. But, you know, we have a set time. And the Bible said, let us run with patience the race that is set before us. You know, they said, if you will run a marathon, then, you know, you you don't really need to be fast. Uh, You need just to train and maintain and avoid burnout and, you know, prepare one step at a time. Being faithful. And yes, trials will come. And brethren, count it all joy when you fall to diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, the Bible said. That means steadfastness and consistency and endurance, and it will come. I told you about my surgery, and it did come. And I told you about problems when we were having the building program. It did come. But God allowed us to go through it all, and praise the Lord. And you know, our church, by the way, family... Uh, by the grace of God, I think last year, Pastor, our church uh, raised uh, $250,000 for World Mission. And I think in the last 30 years, if I'm not mistaken, if my, my memory serves me right, our church has given over $5 million to World Mission. And uh, sometimes we could have saved that money, some people might say, and uh, uh, do it in our own building and we will have a nice building. But you know what? Pastor saw the building that we're in. That's a miracle from God. It's God that has done it. And I told our church, we can never outgive God. God, uh, give and it shall be given back. What you're doing right here, a pastor told me that, oh my, you have projects here. But then God opened a door for you to start this, you know, fix this building. And there's a work there. Oh, I mean, God will bless you for that. Uh, we have seen it. Uh, by God's grace, the Lord called some young men in our church as well. We're, the, the Lord allowed us to start uh, two churches and, and, uh, in California and one. They start mission, mission work. And, and I'm, I give God the glory. We have a lot of young ladies that surrendered their life, including our daughter, and married to preachers and, and uh, serving uh, somewhere. We have one young man that went to me. I mean, one of the hardest things for me, Pastor, is... These are the people that are serving the Lord. I mean, I remember one of our deacons in charge of our college and career, you know, serving the Lord, working in the police department in a forensic and doing a wonderful job. Then finally he said, I want to surrender. Start a church in Miramisa. I said, what in the world? You can't. But then the Lord told me, do they belong to you or do they belong to me? Amen. I said, Lord, they belong to you. <laughs> Sayonara. You know, we support him and pray for him. There's a church there today. We have a young man that went to Russia, our assistant pastor. And I said, why won't you just stay here? Uh, you know, start a church right here in the States. Well, he said, the God led me to go to Russia. I said, there's no Filipinos in Russia. They're too cold in Russia, you know. Moscow, too cold. Again, the Lord did say, 
The Lord speak to your heart, you know. Do they belong to you or do they belong to me? You know, lo and behold, I was wrong. There are Filipinos in Russia. I didn't realize there's a Philippine embassy there. And he's able to reach some of the Filipinos there. And one of them, I believe, came back to the Philippines and started to work. He's in heaven now. But you know, I mean, give and it shall be given back. And just, you know, this might be the last year. But let's just be faithful. Well, anyway, look at verse number 2. Looking unto Jesus, the Bible said, the author and the finisher of our faith. You know, Paul, just to be very religious, persecuting believers, want to uh, obliterate Christianity, but the Lord found him. And, and he said later on in Philippians chapter number nine, 3, verse 9, he said, And be found in him, and not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him, he said. And the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. Now, he's been preaching the gospel. In fact, he's in prison now, getting ready almost to give his, his life. After preaching for all those years, starting churches, going mission trips, he still wanted to get to know the Lord Jesus Christ. I was wondering about that. Wow. And I may know him, he said, not having mine own righteousness. And then in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12, Not as though I have already attained, either have already perfect, but I follow after, if I may apprehend, that which I am also apprehended of Christ. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things who are behind, and reaching forth to those things which are before, I press toward the mark of the price of the high calling of Christ in Christ Jesus. You know what he's trying to teach them is get focused. When you're running, get focused. Get your eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't afford to keep looking back and forth, back and forth. One of the sad things as a pastor experience, Pastor, is that when some of your folks, you know, start looking back and forth, especially now that you have internets now, you have social now that they go to the internet and they find this preacher and they can agree and, and some of the things that, you know, you don't agree. And then they begin to say, well, what is this and what is that? What even the saddest thing is when they begin to, to look for other church. And they've been there. You've visited them when they are sick and so forth like that. Now they go to this church because they heard this pastor. They could preach better than you or something like that. Wow. In fact, one time, I was invited to a missions conference. And I attended. And when the choir sang, Pastor... Half of the people in the choir belongs, used to belong to our church. That breaks my heart. Well, I tried, and I always reminding this is your church, but you know, there are people that keep looking and so forth instead of just looking on the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of them are saved in our church, and they have forgotten. When you're running the, the race, Paul reminds us, you'll fix your eyes looking onto the Lord Jesus Christ, the finisher, and... and He's the author and the finisher of our faith. He's the only one that can really satisfy. And I believe with all my heart that he's at that finish line, encouraging us because he himself did finish his race. The Bible said that uh, consider him, verse 3, that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint 
in your mind. In verse number 2, looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We cannot afford to keep our eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, in the Philippines, when I was a young boy, I, I, I used to ride kales, as we call them, where it's horse-drawn carriage. And I didn't realize it, but later on I noticed that those horses have what they call like a, a blinders. And I used to wonder, what are those blinders for? Well, I realized that that will keep him on the road instead of that horse getting distracted and looking left and right. And then that will let them just look at the road and looking ahead and keep doing. You know, uh, as I was preparing this message, when my wife was almost ready to give birth to our first child, they told us to attend a Lamas course. Anybody here remember a Lamas course? I don't know if you do, but I'm an old man now. My son is almost 40, so uh, they used to send you to a Lamas course where they try. Everybody there that comes to that course are almost getting ready to have a baby. And they teach you that when the birth bank comes, it's, they are not ready yet to, uh, to push. Then you have to breathe properly and and. So I was told my job as a husband is to be a coach to my wife. I need to look for a, uh, an object in that room or whatever that labor room is and ask my wife to look and focus on that, la- on that, uh, on that uh, object. And when the bird pine comes, I remind her to breathe and not to push. And so <laughs> I try to learn to just keep on saying to her, breathe. <sighs> Don't push. Boy, she said, it, it hurts no more of these. But I think I did a good job coaching because 11 months later, 11 months later the second baby came. So anyway, uh, I became a good coach. But anyway, uh, the, the key is to focus. Even though things are hurting, focus. And Paul said, there will be trials. Consider him. Focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. There are times when others are against us. I told you. Sometimes even members will leave. But you know, I realize that the church is the Lord's. And uh, someone has rightfully said, if you please the Lord, it does not matter who you displease. But if you displease the Lord, it does not matter who you please. So I do the best I can to please the Lord. It doesn't matter if they like it or not. I, I just stick to what the book says and do what the Lord wants me to do. I believe the same thing. You know, like what I said, 33 years, our church, almost 34. Been there for 31 years as pastor by the grace of God. When trials come, it's easy to... Quit to just say, I give up. But I'm glad for His grace. His grace is sufficient. I'm glad for a wife that encouraged me up. I'm glad for some men in our church who's like Aaron and her, just lift me up and pray for me. Keep looking to the Lord. Now, some years ago, I believe it was held in Mexico City in an Olympic game. A Tanzanian marathoner fell in a marathon race, and he got hurt bad. But instead of quitting, 
I learned that though bruised and limping and bleeding, even though the already awarded who won the marathon, she still tried her be- his best to finish the race. And as he circled that arena for the last time, there are some reporters that were remaining and they asked him this question. There's no way you could finish the race. It's over. Why still did you continue to finish, you know, complete the race? Well, this answer was, my country did not send me to start the race, but to finish it. And that's what Paul is trying to tell them. Consider the Lord. I'm glad he did not quit or else I will not have salvation. I am so thankful. They could have called 10,000 angels, but he died alone. The song said, for you and for me. You know, I don't know if you know Dr. Dan Sis, but he is one of the missions director there in Lancaster Baptist Church. He wrote a book entitled The Fourth Quarter. I don't know if your pastor have read that, but someone gave me that and I read it. Yeah, he likened our life in sports, that there are four quarters of our life. He said 1 to 20 is first quarter, 20 to 40 is second quarter, 40 to 60 is third quarter, and 60 and beyond is fourth quarter. This is what he said that caught my attention. The fourth quarter of an athletic competition is always the most important. So games are often won or lost in the final moments of play. How much more important is the fourth quarter? For many, the last two decades of life are considered retirement. But too often, retirement leads to this engaged life, a life disconnected from eternal values and biblical service. He then said, to finish our fourth quarter in life fully engaged in the work of the Lord, and that as God has commissioned us to do. Let us ask God to make the four quarters of our lives the most effective, most significant, most joyful years of serving our Lord. Indeed, fourth quarter is the most important quarter of our life. You know, it doesn't matter. You know, our, our team is not a winning team, the, the Chargers. I don't know what your team is here, the New York Giants. You know, they are good in the first three quarters, but on the last quarter, they, they lose. Sometimes as many as three touchdowns. They still lose in the fourth quarter. But you know, some of you have probably been serving the Lord for a long time. This is not the time to quit. The last quarter is the best quarter in life to serve the Lord. Because one day, I believe soon, the sun will stand before God. Someone said, you can know how rich you are by the things you, that money can't buy and death cannot, uh, things you have that money cannot buy and death cannot take away. That's how rich you are. And I believe the treasures laid up in heaven, well, the, the one that will give us joy when we stand before the Lord and say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I, I like missionary songs like Faces. One day you'll see these faces you might not think. Sometimes I hear missionaries that say, well, you know, there are people from all over the world. Look at your countries that you have missionaries represented. Someone has said that maybe one day people will come in heaven and say, thank you for giving to the Lord. And we don't know them, but we know the missionaries that because of our support, 
Let them hear the gospel. Come to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord commanded our churches to go to every creature and preach the gospel. You just saw tonight one man that was called to Quebec. Now, nobody here could be in all these places at the same time. But thank God that as a church you could be in all these places by helping send and pray and support missionaries around the world to go to those places. Tonight, consider Christ. Yes, when it's all said and done, he will get the glory. He only the one received it. Some of the people say, well, I'm going to wear a lot of crowns in heaven. I think we are wrong. I think those crowns will be laid at the one who is worthy, the Lord Jesus Christ. Because it's only by his grace we're able to, he called his co-laborers, be able to do what we can to serve him. We cast those crowns at his feet, for he alone is worthy. Let us pray. Father, thank you for this, your word, that reminded us that we indeed are in a race. You put us in this race when we put our faith in Christ. Thank you that someone cared enough for us. Some of us are rich rich by missionaries in our own country. Some by a friend. Some through listening to the radio or some because we're invited to a church or youth rally just like this missionary now to Quebec. But Lord, I thank you that not only that we are saved, but you allow us to continue to be here because our commission, especially as members of this church, is to tell the rest of the world that every creature, every person would hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, I'm thankful for my shipmate, Lord, that you have used in my own life. Thank you for Fred, for Fred now, our missionary that started our church. Thank you for many who have gone before us now sitting in those grandstands. And they too finished their race and may we do the same. I pray for Open Door Bible Baptist Church and these folks that are here tonight. If there are some areas that's going to be slowing them down, maybe, Lord, some sin that will trip them, I pray that they will forsake it. I pray that they will present themselves and ask, it's like David asked you, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there's any wicked way in me and lead me into way everlasting. Maybe some are going through some trial right now. I don't know. But help them, Lord, and that those trials will trip them up, but consider you. Thank you that you did finish our salvation on that cross. You didn't quit. You didn't give up. You did it with joy. Again, bless this time of invitation. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor.